Okay. Hello, Brienne. How are you? I'm good. I see that you're on the road. I am on the road. And um, before I tell what I've been doing today, I just want to let our listeners know that Tracy, who is our nutrition expert, is with us today. But I left home early this morning looking for elastic because I have orders for masks and I've been looking for elastic. I can't find what I need, but I've found something to substitute. So I'll, I'll have to have larger elastic that I can cut. And then I need like some milk since the county has officially said that it's a essential outings only. And even though I consider grocery essential, it's like, I think it's getting, I see that this county is actually taking things seriously. So I'm trying to make sure we have everything that we need. So for the next few days, we are just at home. Right. Um, I feel like, I felt like because my family's in um, Korea, I was I was up on what was going on before a lot of the general American population was, and I started to uh, prepare for this, you know, shop for this probably at this point now a month ago, and I just yeah. feel like I've spent a lot of money on food more than I think I have in a long time, and you know I don't know if. Uh, how, if Tracy has some recommendations on what people should do as far as saving money for, on food at this time, but I would love to hear it because I just keep, every time I go to the register, because I don't know when I'll, I'm going to be able to get back here, you know, so I just keep buying things. And I'm like, I, I think I need some information on what, what are really the essentials that we should have in our house and what are some meals that we're going to make with them because I've been buying things for a month and I still find I don't I'm missing something so I know and I'm I'm in the same place because we've been eating out mostly for like the past four years and I honestly yeah, feel like fun. when I cook I spend more money than I do when I eat out because I don't, most of the foods that we eat are fresh. It's not something that I could stockpile. And then with dealing with allergies and people being picky eaters, I do feel as if I am definitely spending more money. Well, it depends. I, I feel like in some areas we're saving money because I'm, I'm able to use some foods again. And then I also put the sandwich mandate in my, in my household. You're hungry, you need to go eat a sandwich. But when I actually cook a meal, it costs more than going out. Definitely. So ideas would be appreciated. <laughs> so, I mean, of course, a lot of it depends on your family's normal habits and routines and, and preferences. Um, but I would say, you know, looking for things that are not perishable, whatever you typically would enjoy eating, finding substitutes of some of the ingredients that are not perishable that you can keep on hand for long periods of time. So of course, any soups are a really good option right now because you have, you know, anything with beans and pasta, or you can change out pasta for rice. If you're getting sick of making it one sort of way, uh, you can switch out different types of beans or even other protein sources like chicken or, you know, ground beef or something. You can use canned vegetables, frozen vegetables, and you have a lot of different options with combinations that you can do pretty easily. Um, frozen vegetables, you, right now you wanna make sure you're looking at frozen, 
canned and dried goods. And right. when you're, you know, so for protein, that would be tuna, you know, cans of tuna or even, um, you know, cans of other types of meats, like there's chicken, you can get canned. And it sounds, maybe sounds kind of gross, but <laughs> if you're making casseroles or soups, things where it's mixed in, it's more, right. uh, you know, it's, it's fine, yes. Um, I do I have a question when you say soups, because um, I, I plan to make chicken and dumplings tomorrow, and we just happen to have five turkeys in our freezer, so I'm okay on the broth part, but I know that not everybody has, like, turkeys or chicken stocked out in their freezer. So is this and bouillon or would probably be a better idea than broth? Um, should we be worried about like sodium right now? Because I know like bouillon and canned broth has so much sodium. Is this something we should be worried about or should we just kind of take it in stride and go with it? Well, I don't think you need to increase your sodium. I think bouillon is a good option and you can always dilute it a lot more, uh, you know, okay. use more water than, than maybe is, um, you know, recommended if you're trying to lower your sodium intake. And a lot of times I'll make soup with, with, with water, you know, like in some water and it's, a, you know, it's a little bit of a mixture. Um, okay. And so there's nothing wrong with just using water for your broth and then adding, you know, spices and seasoning and, onions and different things to increase the flavor content. And I guess I was thinking once we get to the point where like if you don't have onions or um, yeah, water, if you have herbs and spices, that is a good idea that you can just do without the broth. I like that. Yeah. But I have, and, and, and spices are something you can buy in, in large quantity. If you're not used to buying that, it's, it, it's something that else, it's non-perishable, right? It can sit on your shelf for a long time. So you can use it for a long time, even if you're not you know, typically cooking okay. with spices now or you routinely. Right. Um, I have two things to say. Um, when it comes to fresh seasoning, um, something, I'm from the Caribbean and something that we do is we, uh, we'll chop them up finely and we'll put vinegar and salt and olive oil and then we'll put it in the fridge. So it becomes like a, a rub. So, or just, it just, it kind of, you kind of pickle the fresh seasoning because you may not always have it. So that's something people can do to make their onions last longer. Um, mm. uh, a lot of Spanish cultures, they do it as well. Like there's there Spanish people in the Caribbean. Uh, it's called sofrito and you can buy it in the freezer already made yeah. and that's another option. But you know, if you make it yourself, it's going to taste a lot better. But so that's my suggestion as far as, um, Trying to, spice. Uh, yeah, trying to save your fresh spices and but also dry spices is something else. But my question is, um, when it comes to, you know, buying these stable, like shelf stable food, a lot of times it's something that we're not used to eating and far less our children. So do you have any, I love the idea of making a casserole with the tuna. I, I, I didn't think of that or with the um, canned chicken, the canned chicken, because I have tuna. I bought tuna for, for this emergency, but I'm not eating it because I don't want to. Because <laughs> I don't right. really eat There's it. only time you can't eat tuna fish sandwiches every day, right? <laughs> right. And bread's, an, and bread's an issue too. I've also had to go find yeast <laughs> mm -hmm. to start making my own bread because that is an issue too. Well, so with bread, another tip you can use, you can put bread in your freezer and that will keep for a, a long time. 
Right. So we, so I, I have extra bread that I've bought and it's just in my freezer. And so, you know, we're slowly kind of taking that out and you can just, you know, unthaw or thaw out a couple of slices at a time. You don't even have to do the whole loaf. So that'll, right. that'll, you know, give you a way to keep the bread for a little bit longer, but making your bread own bread, that's even, that's even better. <laughs> yeah, it is. I wish I had well, a Finding yeast isn't, hasn't been easy either. I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah, other people are thinking about that. <laughs> but I, I did freeze some bread. Um, the only issue is I have to re also remember what I have. Did yeah. I forget that I froze it? The other, I opened the freezer to put away something else, and I'm like, oh, I have frozen bread here. And yeah. I've been scrambling for yeast, and <laughs> I had bread all along. Yeah, and um, I think that's, I think that kind of mentality, or, or we're all feeling that sort of panic when you go to the grocery store and you see the empty aisle or empty shelves and, and you think, oh my God, I don't know what I need. I just need, know I need to grab stuff. And so you end up buying more, you know, my neighbor the other day was saying she bought all this peanut butter, but she didn't have any bread or something. <laughs> so yes. you know, you're on, you're, you're topsy-turvy. You don't have the, you have a whole bunch of one thing, but not enough of the other thing that goes with it. So um, so, you know, to get part of what we want to do is when we do go to the grocery store, be intentional about it, make a list of the things that we want to get, maybe make a list of the things that we've been looking for and resist the urge to buy things in bulk impulsively that yeah. you see because you're just going to end up with a lot of canned Stuff tuna with nothing to do with it. <laughs> right, right. So meal plan beforehand and then shop for ingredients. Keep going back to this meal planning. I'm trying. Yeah, I know. I, it's just, you know, I'm not a planner. I, I, I'm, I don't think he is a planner either. And so this has been really hard for us, but we're learning, right, Pia? Pia's like, Yeah, well, and the nice thing, so the other thing too right, <laughs> right now is a lot of, there are a lot of tools for, for meal planning and for avoiding the grocery store. So there are a lot of uh, delivery services now, and not even delivery services, but grocery store apps where you can pre, you know, enter the, the, the foods that you want to your list, basically. And there are some that will have those things. You can set it up to where you order it to be, you know, just pick up at the door so your bags are ready. Um, right. So that minimizes some of this impulse buying and also exposure to the grocery store and, and trips to the grocery store, which we want to try to reduce right now, too. I definitely try right. to reduce. No, but that's a good idea because I see it too. I, when I go to recipes, there's a, a, a um, there's, oh, there seems to be a button where they're like, shop for your ingredients. I have never pressed that button, but. And I once think, you get into the, once you get into the routine of doing that. So I use a, I use ship to, to deliver my groceries once a week. And once you do it a couple times, it, this, you know, they have your root, your, your typical purchases in the system. So then they right. will show you these are the things that you usually buy and you can just, oh yeah, yeah, I forgot I need granola bars or, you know, whatever it is. I forgot to even put that on my list, but I know I typically get it and we are running low. Um, and so it does get easier. There is a bit of a learning curve. I found it a little burdensome at first because I was in the habit of going to the grocery store and just kind of buying what inspired me. So we would eat for the week, whatever struck me, what might be on sale, what might be you know, just catch my eye and what gave me an idea. And so if that's your, the way you typically shop, using some of these um, apps or tools and, and, and shoppers for you, it, it takes a little bit of a change in mindset. But once you change that mindset, it, it's just as easy. It's, it's easier. I mean, it's actually, it's a lot more convenient because you don't have all the time in the store. 
Um, you can do your shopping at any time. I'll be, I'll get on my the computer at like nine, ten o'clock at night and go grocery shopping. My kids are like, are you grocery shopping? <laughs> I'm like, yep. And it's just easier yeah. and it reduces that impulse buying and can save you money because you're not subjected to the, the impulse marketing strategies. No, I agree with that. Uh, I just, I just joined Shipped. Um, I was trying to, I was debating, should I uh, do Insta, um, Instacart or Shipped? And then Instacart just happened to not be working. I hope they fixed it. I, I don't know what the issue was, um, but Shipped was working and I, I had um, a discounted code. And so I, I went with it and it was, it actually was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. And um, yeah, it's easy to use. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, well, because there was a glitch in Instacart, I was really stressed because it just wasn't working well. And I was thinking to myself, "Is this is online shopping for food. I don't want to be a part of it. But when I switched over to Shift, I'm like, oh, okay, there's a glitch. There's something was wrong with the Instacart app. And Instacart then, app is always wonky for some reason. Oh, I don't know. But um, this one, the Shift worked for me. And, and I did, and I, it was like 11 o'clock at night and, and uh, then, they said when I finished shopping, there was nothing available, any delivery dates available. And that was a little bit disappointing. But when I woke up the next day, there were deliveries available for the same day and they kept my list. So I didn't have to reshop again. And it came at 5 p.m. and my shopper was awesome. She kept on texting me every time it was a problem and she let me change my list. It, it, was, it was really easy, but when I went out today, because there's a couple of things my supermarket didn't have and I had to venture out, I felt like, wow, I hadn't shopped for a week and so much has changed. It yeah. was a little, it was a lot, it was, it was stressful for me. And I think I, for the rest of this, um, uh, for going, going forward during this period, I'm definitely going to do the online shopping because going to the supermarket, seeing the empty aisles, seeing people with masks on, seeing people with gloves on, it, it was, it was too much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it doesn't, it, it has, it's, has the opposite effect because there are crowds there. So we have all this social distancing and trying to stay away from people and there are crowds all over the grocery stores. Well, mine wasn't crowded. I haven't encountered any crowds because they're limiting the number of people that can go in and out. So the grocery stores itself aren't really crowded. Well, the lines outside the grocery well it depends on the time of day you go but like yeah i mean the line outside the grocery store around the corner well see i, I maybe it's just on my side of town the poop um and well i've started out in west houston and i slowly made my way back to southwest houston every place that i've been with the crowd police officers are outside or oh. employees ensuring that even in lines outside that social distancing is respected that six feet barrier space and so like i went to central market today and i'm telling i'm saying that the line is really long the line was long but it was not as long as it probably was because everybody was six feet apart right and inside the grocery stores there there's tape that's measuring off well every place that i've been there's tape measuring off uh six feet and at the deli counter there's uh both horizontal and vertical placements of lines so you could have maybe five people along the, the length of the deli counter and then you could have three people in line behind each of those people at the front row so everybody is maintaining distance so i guess it just depends on what part of town you're but you live pretty close to me though well, I, yeah, well, and this is, 
you know, partly my own experience and partly hearing other people's experience too. And I think it changes from day to day. Yeah. I mean, just last week, everything changes from day to day. Yeah. I mean, like one week ago was totally different than yesterday and today. So. It definitely was. I think yesterday and today were the first days that I've seen. I'm not going to say all grocery stores, but the majority of stores attempt to make, um, make an attempt to respect those social distancing practices. Um, so it, it's good. I think I only went into one store because um, I was still on this frantic search for elastic that there was not um, a systematic process, but everywhere else that I've been in, even just I'm sitting in a um, parking lot now um, while we talk and it seems like people are waiting. I'm in front of Baskin, Baskin Robbins and it seems as if people are sitting in their cars waiting for the people inside the store mm. to come out. So it's good that I guess people are taking a little bit of ownership of their of this on themselves as opposed to waiting for others to to tell them what to do and how to engage during these times. Right. So what should we do about our kids not wanting to eat certain things? And I, I realized how my kids have just always been able to get really whatever they want. And yes. I've been very good about, you know, letting them eat what they want as long as it has like a protein and a cob and a, um, a vegetable or fruit. But now it's, like, uh, honey, you can't throw that banana on the floor because you don't like it. <laughs> we need that banana. <laughs> we may not get another banana for a long time, honey. You know, how, like, how should we, how do we, like, what's a healthy shift in that without freaking out our children? And, and because I was upset. I was really upset when he threw yeah. the banana. <laughs> yeah, well, I know. I, I, I'm with you. I'm, I've been feeling the same, the same thing. I mean, uh, yeah, so so kids don't understand the the scarcity <laughs> and the issue, depending on their age, I guess. But young kids don't understand that, um, and so when you tell them, no, we don't have either, we don't have it, and the grocery stores don't have it, so nobody has it, or you know they don't care. <laughs> still, you know, just freely, you know, wanting to waste food. So I, I mean, I would say, and I think we're all going to be at risk for this. I mean, some of the the. I think one of the side effects of this whole situation is going to be some major weight gain for people because some of the, the biggest predictors of overeating are food insecurity. So we're all feeling yes. boredom, stress, uh, sedentary time, increased screen time. All of those are really big um, drivers of overeating. So I think we're all going to be falling victim to that. And so um, wait, wait. food insecurity is a driver for overeating that. I mean, it yes. makes I never thought about it. Wow. Yeah. That's, right. that's why in low-income communities, more people are overweight because of that idea of food scarcity. But, but Tracy can tell you more about it than I probably can. But yeah, I mean, because I mean, we're, I think we can all, it used to be, a, you know, for many of us that, that are, are fortunate enough and lucky enough to not be in that situation chronically for our lives, um, it's hard to understand. Well, that doesn't make any sense. If you don't have enough access to food, then how does, how are you, how is obesity a problem? And, and I think we can all right now relate a little bit to that because you eat it because I don't want it to go to waste. We have it. And, right. we have it. and we have to eat it because we, this is what we have and this is what we can afford. And this is what's, you know, still good. All the other stuff went bad or, you know, whatever. Um, and so, so part of it is just kind of taking a deep breath and reassuring ourselves that food is available. Who, you know, although it is a hassle to get to the grocery store and it's, 
Um, you know, the, the shopping situation has changed for many of us and it's, it's a stressful situation. It's still available. We can kind of relax about that. And then encouraging our kids to eat the things that we do have. Uh, I think you can take a different, a couple of different ways to go about this. Of course, if kids are just going to, kids are going to be wanting to snack all day long, probably, right? Because they're home and they're not in school and they don't have their routines and, you know, whatever. And so that's going to drive a lot of just requests for snacks. So what I've been doing is I've been putting out things, making easy things that are easy to access that I am okay with them eating endless amounts of. A bowl of grapes, you know, something that can sit out, obviously, too. It's like a bowl of grapes and, you know, those little carrot, baby carrots and things that are quick and easy to grab, little crackers or something, things that are quick and easy to grab that I, that are, you know, healthy, that I don't care if they eat endless amounts of. And they will go over and pick up, you know, grab some apple slices or, you know, and I'm putting them in the small things. It's not a bowl of fruit where they take two bites of an apple and then they're like, eh, I don't want it anymore. It's slices of apple. And yeah, they get a little browned because they're sitting out on the counter, but, um, but you know, they're, they're, they're still fine. They're still okay to eat and my kids will still grab them. Um, and then it's also mixing, you know, mixing things in and reusing things. So if they don't, eat all of something, like you mentioned the banana, you know, can you cut off the part where they took a bite of and then use the rest of it for other things, like chopping it up into, into cereal or, you know, mixing it into somebody the other day I heard talking about, like, they had never used bananas in their bread. They were making some, some dish that they would, you know, bread bit dish that they would make. And they said, oh, and I experimented by adding bananas to it. And it was really good. And it was a way to use up these extra bananas that I had. Um, so being creative about how you mix things into other things so that kids will eat things that they may not be used to or that they may not typically like. If it's mixed into other things, they may be okay with it. Uh, blending things up. So if you have that extra banana, blending it up and adding it to some other things to make a smoothie, to be you able to use every little bit. And I mean, I hate, I really hate to give this, to give this suggestion, but it's just a real practical suggestion as a parent, as a mom. I really almost never make myself a plate at breakfast. Other meals I do, but at breakfast, I'm just kind of eating what my kids have not eaten off of their plates, which is horrible <laughs> to say, but no, a lot of people do it. A lot of, I think a lot of parent moms, I think, especially like we, you see your kid take two bites of something and then you're like, well, so I don't even make myself like toast or whatever for breakfast. I'll just eat whatever they haven't. They, it, same thing when I go to like restaurants sometimes with them, like, you know, little fast food kind of places or whatever. Like I'll just, I won't really order something. I'll just, cause I know they're going to have all this extra stuff. They're not going to eat. So I'll eat the other half of their stuff. And that gives me reassurance. Like, okay, it's not going to waste. And right. you know, they've at least had some op the opportunity to eat something healthy and maybe branch out and try something they haven't tried before. And so we're all happy. That makes sense. It does. That makes a lot of sense. Or make a smaller plate for yourself so you could be a part of it. And this yeah. way you don't get angry when they don't eat it <laughs> because now you can feed yourself. Um, yeah. yeah I've, I've said since I had kids, I'm just a human garbage disposal because that's really <laughs> You just eat what they don't. <laughs> I remember my brother was a human garbled, um, garbage disposal. I remember when I was a kid. I'm like, I don't want to eat. You'll eat it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he'll just eat it. But well, how can we- I also, you know, I should, I should put this warning though. Like right now, we, we, that, you're also risking, risking sharing germs though, right? Because 
when you're eating other people's things. But I think in, the, in within a household, it's really, really breathing on each other. Especially yeah, I mean, in my bed, I can eat their, I can eat their food. Yeah, that's what I figure. I'm like, well, you know, if you're like picking your nose and grabbing on my shirt, like, <laughs> I think I've gotten your germs already. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Good. What was it? Is there, do you have any um, tricks on how to introduce new foods to the children that they haven't had before? For example, um, I feel like I want to give them peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Well, not peanut butter because my daughter has a nut allergy, but sunflower butter and jelly sandwiches. You know, I just, I'm, I'm realizing I'm going back to my childhood. I, I ate this and I loved it, but my kids have never eaten it. So it's going to be weird to them. And, and sorry for some of the listeners who are like, but your kids never had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? I, I'm like, no, I, I don't think, I, I've never really made that for them. I've suggested making it to the, for them. And they've been like, ew, the idea is so gross. A peanut butter yeah, and Emmanuel jelly will, Emmanuel like, will. Yeah, my daughter, my daughter had a peanut allergy. And so we didn't do peanut butter and jelly with her either. And, she, and, and because of that, like she, she doesn't, she grew out of it. She doesn't have the allergy anymore, but she won't, she, she never developed a, a liking for peanut butter. Um, right. Even, even other nut butters. Cause we just never, we just never gave never. it to her. And there's no need to, I mean, it's not a, um, it's not a, you know, like they, they will be okay if they don't ever have peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It is, right. I mean, are you asking because it's, it's a nice, easy, convenient protein Right. And because when I was, I bought it because when I was shopping, I was like, this is going to be so easy. They're going to, I'm like, they're going to now have to start eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh no, I'm afraid to actually give it to them because I could see me eating the peanut butter and jelly sandwich because they're not actually going to eat it. But I was wondering if there was any tips on how to introduce new foods that are self-stabilized. There's no guarantee that they're going to like it or that and I, I always say this, when my kids say, I don't like it, I say, oh, you're not used to it yet. It takes, it takes a while to get used to something. And this is a grown-up food, maybe, and you, it takes some practice to get used to it. Just like you have to practice mm -hmm. to get good at other things, and you have to practice to get good at, you know, a skill or something. You have to practice to get good at liking this. And my kids, my kids are four and six, and they will actually repeat back to me that now my six-year-old started um, eating tomatoes. She hadn't eaten tomatoes before and she had a tomato and an orange at school. And she said, oh, I think, I think I'm used to it now. I think I've, I've practiced. And she hadn't practiced. She just, <laughs> I don't know what, I mean, all of a sudden, I don't know, she saw other kids at school eating it, but she, you know, ate it. And for whatever reason, it just struck her that day that she liked it. But it's true. I mean, like repeated exposure will you know, help them to develop a preference for it or a tolerance for it over time. So that is, that is certainly one thing, but to get them to eat it, to motivate them to eat it, they have to want to do it. And so the way right. and most of what they want, they will want to try it and want to practice eating it. If you create that growth mindset to use a common term these days of, of preference, like, okay, you have to get used to it. So it takes some practice, but you have to model it. So you're going to have to eat a whole lot of peanut butter and jelly to really... <laughs> to inspire them and give them lots of opportunities to take a bite, to try some of yours, um, to, to want to experiment with it. And so if they see you eating it routinely and, you know, other members of the family that maybe already do like it, then it, then it becomes a normal thing that they see. And then it becomes something they might want to try. And then, you know, and then if they've are, if they have that mindset of, Oh, it takes me, it's going to take a long time practicing and trying it several times before I get used to it. 
coupled with the opportunities to pre to try it um, over time, they will you know develop a preference for it, and it'll take you know many times. Like it's it's twelve or so exposures before they're going to nudge up on the preference scale, and that's not going from hating it to loving it. That's going from hating it to hating it a little bit less to tolerating it <laughs> to then maybe liking it a little bit and then loving it, you know, and, I don't, and they may never get all the way up. They may never go all the way up the scale on this. All right. So I basically see me eating a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> During this. If you want them. <laughs> Either way, it'll be a great idea. <laughs> and, um, but you know, it's, but you know, I feel okay. This may not. I may not want to waste that time with peanut butter and jelly if there's other options. Um, exactly. If there's not other options, then yes, it's it's worth it. So for some, so I did have to put that out there. Um, and before the conversations, before the conversation started, I thought, well, maybe I had a chance. Now I feel like it may just not be worth it. But you did make me think about the elderberry syrup that my children are acting like it's poison and it's not and it's so irritating because i'm like ah, my mom gave me poison <laughs> i'm like she never gave me poison but she gave me awful awful bitter tasting vitamins as a kid mm. and elderberry tastes to me if you add water to it it's almost like a it's like a juice i don't understand how they won't like it but because gonna, because it's, it's good for them. Them. i i like it they see me drinking it. i'm like mm, this is yummy I put it in my smoothie, I put it in lemonade, put it in just water and ice. It's delicious. I don't know what their problem is. <laughs> I'm going to be really, really healthy and they're, I don't know. But I, I feel like I'm going to tell them about, you know, 12 exposures and um, they'll start liking it better and look at mommy. I want to tell your children 12 exposures because I can see your middle child. Mommy, it's been 12 times and I still don't like it. Yeah, yeah. No, you yeah. know what? My middle <laughs> child loves it. My middle child loves it. She's like, mm. so I'll just say something in general. Yes. If they know, I mean, so think about, so we, we've all done this. We've all acquired a taste for things that are not innately palatable. We, most of us drink coffee, tea, alcohol. Wine. I mean, those are, those are flavors that are not, you know, good. <laughs> but You're right. You're so true. Through, and even, you know, like smokers, you know, like you push through it. It's also smoking is not fun, you know, when you try it the first several times, but there's something socially desirable about those things when you become, you know, when you see your peers doing it. So think about all the elements that are in place to drive repeated exposure to coffee or tea or alcohol like why why would you it's like bitter Ugh, it's well, it doesn't taste good why would somebody keep doing it and we do it when we're teenagers and, and 20 somethings early young adults because we see our, our friends doing it and we think it's cool and um you know and then you have the benefit of like caffeine gives you that boost of energy and so you want to be awake and so maybe for other things it's oh it's going to make me healthy so it's a, a you know an added draw but that's the kind of experience you want to create to get your kids to want to expose themselves to something that it's oh it's going to help your brain grow it's good for your body it's uh, but it's a grown-up food you know I, I understand it's going to take some time and it's going to take some practice and I, you know you have to practice just like practicing dribbling a basketball and if if you don't you're not gonna you're not gonna like it as much right 
Well, Tracy, is there anything that you would like to, any points you would like to leave us with, anything that you believe that parents really need to know during this time to manage um, diet and health with their children, basically diet? Well, one thing, I mean, just, just briefly, well, you know, something that I've been thinking about as I'm home with my kids and stuff, and we're all facing this, you know, potential, this, like, we, we are all asking ourselves, like, what if I get sick or something? Um, and I get a lot of questions about immunity and immune function and how to boost that. And so diet, I mean, the best things to do for, for making sure that if you do get sick, that your body is as ready and strong as it can be. The best weapons you have are, are really strong diet quality. So eating lots of fruits and vegetables, whole grains, not a lot of sugar and fat, eating enough protein, um, mon managing your stress levels, getting enough sleep, and exercise. If anything, exercise is probably one of the biggest factors. So if you want to make sure that you guys are, you're, you and your families are staying healthy, make an effort to get some good exercise in your routine. Make an effort to make healthy foods available to everybody in the home. And okay really try to make sure we're not compromised and it's sleep right now is really hard because a lot of us are working from home with our kids at home and so we're thinking we're just going to work when our kids go to bed don't compromise your sleep sleep get the eight hours of sleep because that's going to really kill your immune system mm, that's pretty important yeah I hadn't thought of that thank you mm -hmm. thank you so much Tracy and thank you once again for coming on and and helping us out and giving our listeners some valuable information because a lot of people are just really uncertain right now. So thank you so much. And yes, well, thank you. You guys stay healthy. Okay, we will. Talk you later. Exactly, you too. Bye. Bye. Hello, I am Pia, a married mom of two, want to be Martha Stewart, who would rather spend her time planning elaborate dinner parties when in reality, I'm procrastinating about making my family matching t-shirts with my Cricut maker. <laughs> Hi, I'm Brianne, and I'm an HGTV and Hallmark Channel junkie. I currently live in Houston, Texas with my husband and three young kids. What about being from the Bronx? Oh, you made fun of me last time I said it, so it's nice to be out. Well, now they know Brianne's from the Bronx. The boogie down.